Hey everyone, this is Arnold Bjorn with Warm Welcome. We have another episode of Weekly Welcome, and today we have Lynn, who is the co-owner and operator of Here's Looking at You in Koreatown, Los Angeles, All Day Baby in Silver Lake, and she's also the co-founders, one of the co-founders of Regarding Her, which is an amazing nonprofit organization that does work in empowering women restaurant owners. They've given out grants. They do wonderful food festivals, different event activations, and personally been a really big fan of Lynn and the work that she does in terms of um, her restaurants, but also the work that she does regarding her. So above all else, I'm just really impressed by what she's been able to accomplish in the last few years. Uh, she's done a lot, and it was just a wonderful pleasure to be able to chat with her. I think you're going to learn a lot about her, her story, and for me personally, it gave me a better understanding of why the restaurants are the way they are in terms of the menu offerings and the name. We dive into all of that, and um, you know what her goals are for this year too. So, hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Lynn. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. I think out of everybody I've interviewed, you're the first person that actually grew up in Atlanta. Yes. So I want to hear all about it. And how it was like growing up in Atlanta, especially as an Asian American. I mean, nowadays there's so many Asian, specifically Koreans too. But back then, when you were growing up, like, what was it like for you? I mean, I just didn't really feel particularly anything. I just sort of saw my surroundings as very white and very black, as you know, those were all my peers in school. Um, but I think growing up as an only child, um, mainly around my dad, um, they started a business um, in what is now a very thriving little Saigon in Atlanta. But we were one of the first um, businesses to mm. appear on a stretch of a highway called Buford Highway. And you know, there was one shopping center with one grocery store, one jewelry store, one pho shop, and my parents were in the beauty industry. Mm. Yeah, so we had a, the first beauty supply store. Wow! And I was very young at the time, but my dad was sick, and I've just always been um, his apprentice in a way, and I was always working with him, and so I was there creating and um, bringing up our family shop. Mm. So something I read about was also how you were exposed to like Southern hospitality yes. early on. For people that don't know, what it, what what is that, and and how would you describe what you learned? Well, I think um, my family dynamic was just a little more different than other families, only because you know my, my my father ended up passing away when I was young, and then my mom, hardworking Asian lady that she is, just. <laughs> Focused on work, right. um, so she was often in another part of the country, and oh. I ended up being sort of adopted into a lot of other families. So black families, uh, white families, all of my best friends growing up from sixth grade on, and you know, just as a young, shy, very different-looking gal than all my friends, being sort of pushed into these places or being invited, rather being invited to. A Christmas dinner or a Thanksgiving dinner, all of these traditions that I wasn't ever privy to, and trying to understand how to survive mm. at a table such as that, and and having conversations around, and you know what I learned about all of these amazing families um, that took me in at a time where I felt very lonely, is not only are they making me feel extremely welcome, but they have this way of also sharing 
a piece of their interests and their culture with me. And, you know, just jumping ahead, you know, thinking about even what I do now, I very much would love my guests to feel welcome in my restaurant. But in a way, it's almost our service to also enlighten them on something that maybe they don't know. So growing up with all of these amazing um, Southern moms and dads and just, you know, all the gifts that they would bestow upon me, all the questions that they would probe um, and really help me. It helped me just figure out a way to be a better and expressive communicator around the dinner table. Wow. So you, definitely your childhood were like very formative years for you as a person looking back now, right? Yes. Yeah. I was, it was very American, yeah. actually, <laughs> yeah. uh, growing up. And it, 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 took, it took either later years for mm -hmm. me and really living in Los Angeles after college um, for me to further explore sort of the Asian side of my identity and remember, you know, tiny details of my mm. very younger years, mm. you know, going to Hong Kong, for example, and having dim sum on like some 18 story level restaurant with my dad, you know, things like that. And, and how c coming, coming back and revisiting those memories and, and what it's, it's evolved to in my present time. Awesome. I mean, so people now know you as the, you know, chef, uh, co-owner and operator of, of your restaurants. But before that, you had a very interesting career in, you know, the entertainment industry as a reporter, editor, which I found fascinating, to be honest. Was that something you were interested in, like, growing up? Because I know in college you even started a, a magazine, too. So was that something you were really passionate about growing up, or how did that come to be? No, I mean, I didn't really even know the concept of passion, to be honest with mm, you, growing mm -hmm. up. Um, you know, I was never invited to to explore what I was interested in, let alone passionate in. And I really give credit to a lot of the influencing people around me um, as far as my development of an interest in, in journalism, for example. So in, in high school, I was invited to be a part of the yearbook staff. And I was like, mm. yes, I would love to showcase <laughs> and make people feel special around their like senior portrait, things yeah. like that. And then when I got to college, I, I thought I wanted to be more of in a design space like I wanted oh, really? to design a magazine okay but it turns out you know just the nature of my degree and the classes that I needed to take at my school I got stuck in all of these literature and writing courses oh. and it was really hard I mean I always say that English was actually my third language learned and I would have never ever thought that I could be someone that could form cohesive sentences, let alone wow. tell a whole story. Um, but, you know, sometimes it takes someone to tell you that you're decent at something, which is, I, I give credit to a teacher that I had. And he was like, I really think you should explore writing, Lynn. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Um, but in the end, I did. And I ended up not getting into magazines because I didn't move to New York. Mm. So I moved to Los Angeles for better weather, like most people. <laughs> and... Um, fell into online world. So my first job was at a place called E! Online, and I was a celebrity reporter, and not at all what I expected. Deeply terrifying work, um, <laughs> but <laughs> gave me a lot of courage and probably took me to a place of understanding what risk-taking looks like and actually how possible it is. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay, so the <laughs> other, you said English was your third language. What are the yes. first two? My father taught me Cantonese growing oh. up, but I spoke it at a child's a learning level because uh -huh. he was the only person I spoke it with okay. and then um, after he passed away I, I started to learn Vietnamese with my mm. my mom uh, a lot of her family members including her parents immigrated to America in the early 90s wow. so in a way I, I, I obviously wanted a way to better communicate with my family members and and in turn I would sort of teach them English yep. a little bit too 
Got it. I always wondered when I was looking at all the baby's menu and all that, because you see biscuits and gravy. I was wondering where that influence came from, but but it's kind of I'm I'm connecting the dots now finally, which is which is awesome. Um, just a little bit more on that career that you had as you know an entertainment reporter. I I want to hear more about your experience because I feel like um I read there was a breaking point in that career that you had too that really made you revisit you know, and reevaluate what you want to do with your life. So Sure. I, I mean, I didn't last too, too long as a reporter sort of standing on a red carpet and going to parties <laughs> and walking up to celebrities. I did that maybe two years Yeah. and then moved into like a cubicle job, which was mm. like a dream for an introvert like myself. <laughs> and so I got to like go to an office every day and, um, and be an editor and really help formulate and create packages and features mm. and, and work with freelance writers, free, freelance writers. And it reminds me so much of the work that I do now. You know, you have your bartenders, your servers, yeah. your cooks, and like, you know, how are we going to create this beautiful ensemble night after night? Um, but ultimately, you know, the work turned into what the audience was craving. And the audience at that time was craving a lot of salacious celebrity bloggy kind of coverage. And so the website I was working for wanted to sort of align with that kind of competitive work. And it just was not fulfilling. And anybody out there, which I think is everybody who's ever come to a place of being like, what am I doing with my life? Mm. Um, that was me. And, you know, it just forces you to consider what else could you do with yourself and your time that could be more passion-driven. And I've just always, like you, really loved being in in spaces and enjoying uh, a dinner experience mm. or, you know, nothing that is, is about cooking because anybody out there that knows me knows I don't cook. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> but so. I'm a really wonderful guest. <laughs> That's what I said. I can eat very well. Yeah, and you know, and I'm just amazed by all of the details that can go into a restaurant or even a hotel space. I was I was really obsessed with hotels growing up as a kid too because I was never allowed to stay in them. Um, and I was like, I'm going to open a restaurant. So that's that's sort of how that developed. Um, yeah. But it took time. You know, I never worked in one, and um, I didn't think that it was wise to just embark on this crazy path that many people have that this dream of opening a restaurant so I would say it took five years of mm -hmm. learning the ropes and taking odd end jobs inside restaurants and even food writing too just because it was a, already a part of what mm. I could do so I convinced food editors to let me write about you know either their cities or you know the, the, the space I wrote about spas too I mean that again that was just probably to get a paycheck <laughs> and go to the spa <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I want to probe you a little about why why restaurants, right? Your dad was actually a, a pretty big factor in this. Is that correct? Also, uh, you guys dreamt of opening a small noodle shop together. Was that also a thing? Yeah. I mean, my dad, both of my parents are wonderful home cooks. and But my dad in particular was just... Was, really passionate about food. Like he would actually get upset if I didn't, if I was eating something that he had made and I wasn't emotive about how, how I felt about the dish. And, uh, you know, it just didn't show that I appreciated um, the cooking. And, you know, I mean, growing up, I mean, he was, he was, we were each other's best friends and really I only well, knew him till age yeah. 13. Yeah. And he'd be like, Lynn, let's open a liquor store. And I'm like, I'm too young. <laughs> what about a restaurant? <laughs> and, um, so we talked about noodles, but, you know, he passed away when I was so little. And, yeah. and then my mom and I picked up on that dream a little bit. And so I think she she definitely inspired me to quit my job, but then later was like, I'm not going to do this with you. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm all alone, alone again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
but thankfully you're not right because in the five years you've you did yeah you really turned that into almost like a, a school like a like a school for restaurant entrepreneurship you really got your hands dirty and and i really want to applaud you for that because it's not easy right because at the end of the day you went up as far as managing editor at the industry you were in and then to go to busing tables and right. washing dishes and being you know um, a server it's 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 not easy so i how difficult was that for you in the beginning did you ever want to be like you know what maybe i made a mistake did you ever feel that way during yes your, yeah <laughs> Like, what am I doing? I did. I mean, it was difficult. You know, I'm not the most coordinated individual. So even just the art of bussing plates, I still to art. this day it's an art. Yes. can't carry a tray of martinis. Like it's not a good, um, it's not a good thing to let Lynn run the tray of drinks. Um, but, you know, it, I knew that I needed to go through these various experiences, working all the way through every position in the front of house and even the back of house. Um, I did... Um, regretfully for the restaurant that I staged at. I, I worked for free for about three months um, at a restaurant called Luke in Los Angeles. And um, it was hard work. And a lot of it is just to see if you can even deal with the hours, deal mm, with the labor, mm, mm, mm. learn an, an entirely new language and, and be around a different set of people. Um, you know, and they were not the same as those reporters that I met every night at, you know, sure. Oscars parties. And, um, but I... I grew to really love it and, and I had a lot of curiosity mm -hmm. for many aspects of the business. But when I finally got myself to this place of managing a restaurant and it was a hot restaurant at the time and cocktail driven and, and just like, you know, just hot, like hundreds of people everywhere. And you're, and you're like, wow, this is really exhausting work. Mm. Um, I don't know who is mentoring me. Mm. I, I do feel like I'm failing every day. <laughs> And it's exhausting. You're sort of decaying before your own eyes, and you're, and you're, you, I, th I think I was still young at the time, and um, yeah, I, I didn't think I could actually realize my dream of opening a restaurant. And a lot of that actually wasn't so much the work that I was afraid of. I was worried about the talent. Mm. You know, I, I learned obviously, you know, the success of a restaurant relies so heavily on the fact: is the food really crazy delicious? on top of everything else. And me not being a chef, you know, how was this, how was I going to ever find someone that could be my partner in such an endeavor that not only was a great chef, but also could align with me on our values, how we would run a place, where it would go, how would we have money, like yeah. all of these things. So it did seem very impossible. And I, I pretty much given up hope that, um, <laughs> that I was going to be able to, to succeed at that. Yeah. So you set out because you had the dream of opening a restaurant, right? In terms of devoting those five years to learning. Did you have an idea in your head what you, what you wanted your restaurant to be? Was there like a concept in mind that you were working towards or I'm there, just curious? Yeah, there was actually. Yeah. Um, I think it's always really important for anyone out there with dreams or goals to, to have almost like a fully mm. fleshed out plan. Mm -hmm. And whether that actually comes to fruition, it, that part, in my opinion, doesn't really matter. But my fully fleshed out plan was I wanted to open a Vietnamese bar and it had a name. It was called Bartet. 
and it was named after you know the Vietnamese term for uh, Lunar New Year. Yeah, and, yeah. And you go to Vietnam and or anywhere that celebrates Tet, it's like two weeks off. It's like a party all the right. time. And I was like, that's what my bar is gonna be. It's gonna be a party all the time with like drinking snacks. I love it. <laughs> and you know, I had a dry erase board in my little apartment. I was living in Venice at the time, and so it had all the different dishes. And again, I'm not the chef, but these were just the things that I would love to see on a menu. And that was on a whiteboard. Yeah, it was wow. on a whiteboard. <laughs> and. Fast forward many, many years and working at Animal as a part-time manager there, I also worked part-time at their sister restaurant called oh, Son of a Gun. Yep, yep. Yeah. At Animal was where I met their newly minted chef de cuisine, Jonathan Whitener. And um, it, was, it was amazing to, to meet him, just to be, uh, to be his colleague and to see how he was succeeding, in my opinion, at really transforming you know, an important American restaurant in Los Angeles, but really putting his really beautiful spin on so many dishes. You know, that restaurant was so well known for like six iconic dishes, mm -hmm. but I was always so impressed with all of the new dishes that he would add on and the, and the fresh variety, like even just like a citrus salad or, um, you know, a fish dish, you know, things that, you know, I don't think that people were running out to Animal to try, but I was really pleased to see all of those things. And, and getting to know my colleagues is something that is one of my favorite things to do at any given day. I found out, you know, he grew up in Orange County, mm -hmm. and all the kids he went to school with were Asian. <laughs> and he'd go to school and he'd swap lunches with everybody. And, mm. you know, and it turns out he loves Vietnamese food. And, and I was like, no way. And, and he knew <laughs> so much more about it because he actually – grew up way more Vietnamese That's in a way so than funny. I did, yeah, as we all know, Vietnamese since food. I was yep. in Biscuitland. Yep. <laughs> and, um, you know, it took like over a year of us working together, and I just had this epiphany driving to work, and I was like, he would be the chef oh, wow. of Bartet. And so that was our plan. Obviously, what had happened is not what had happened. Yeah. But um, I'm so happy for what has happened. But how did that happen? Like, how did here's looking at you happen? Because it, it oh. is, you know, I wasn't here at the time. I was in New York, but I actually heard about it even in New York. Yeah, and I feel like there was so much buzz around that restaurant when you first wow. opened, and this is your first time. You're a first time restaurant owner. How? I, that's just something I still can't get around. Like, how did you? There's so many questions. One is the name is awesome. <laughs> like, how did you come up with a name? I want to hear the name story, and then just conceptualizing it and why K Town. Just anywhere you want to start, we can we can go. But oh, I'm gosh. so curious. I mean, I'm still super astonished by the whole path myself. I mean. I would be lying if I said I wasn't. I, I mean, nobody wanted to work for us. So, so yeah, we were, I always call us two nobodies just going on a path of like nobody wanting to work for us. And so, you know, we just opened, there was a couple of us working. Um, you know, when we, when we hatched this plan, I was like, okay, I think we could maybe become business partners. I, I was like, I'm going to quit my job. I was like, I'm yeah. going to leave Animal. You know, I don't, we shouldn't be, you know, had planning things while you're working That's and true. I'm working. So you didn't leave together. You left first. I left first. Got it, got it. I left first and was like, I'm going to figure this out. Oh, like, okay. I don't know how to open a restaurant, but I'm going to go home and figure this out. And so <laughs> I sat around for six months not figuring it out and <laughs> freelancing for very nice people and trying to help other people because this is my life. Like, I'd much rather help other people than help myself. And one day... Um, it came to be through a friend of a friend that um, I learned of what is the space that is here is looking at you now mm. was available. Mm. Jimmy, my landlord, um, he had announced it 
And I was like, I would love to come and see it. But I think he thought that it would be because I had other friends in the industry and maybe those friends would be interested in the space. I don't think that he thought it would be for yeah. me and yeah. you know, it's something I was busy not planning. And you know, when Jonathan and I casually spoke about possible locations, Koreatown hadn't come up, but you know, like Chinatown, for yeah, example, had right, come up. But right. I remember looking at one space. This is exactly how proactive I was. And I was like, I don't know. That space isn't going to work out. Like, that guy's not taking me seriously. And um, so when this happened, you know, I, I'm sure other people can relate. It's like when one great thing happens, everything just falls mm. into place. And why I loved Koreatown was it was just right in the center of mm -hmm. Los Angeles, this mm -hmm. physical, beautiful heart of L.A., learning about you know its density learning about all the other cultures that actually exist in koreatown i felt that in weaving together what we thought would be chef jonathan's cuisine and here's looking at you which he only just called i don't know how to call it i just it's just my food this is what he told me and i was like okay great i'm going to spin that into a business plan i don't know what that <laughs> means um you know but it just all started to make sense it had no name it was untitled jw project forever JW. Uh -huh, uh -huh. and um nothing was good enough mm -hmm. like you know i think we casually called it jacaranda just like for <laughs> for for like secret sake or like naming a you know opening like a bank LLC account kind of like you know it's just ridiculous yeah, yeah. of the jacarandas were in bloom mm -hmm. in la at the time and they were lining the beautiful streets of k-town and mm -hmm. okay. and then you know, Jonathan and I, we, we love um, cocktails. In particular, we found out we also had a passion for tiki cocktails. And, you know, and I collected stationery. You know, I think one of the first things that helped me to better express myself as a young girl um, was writing letters. Mm. So I just have, like, a lot of stationery in my collection, and I used to write letters all the time. Um, so I had an old one in my collection and had a tiki girl on it and said, here's looking at you. And like I said, every single name that we had thought of before that was 1,000% bad. And I was like, this is actually so weird that this could work. And I was like, I'm going to show Jonathan in person. I was just going to slide this. Oh, you brought your card? card. Yeah, yeah, I brought my card. We were eating in Little Tokyo, and, and I just, like, slid it across the, the, the counter table. We were in this little diner. And he, he was like, I'm not going to lie, I like it. And, you know, and then in, in further researching this term, most people think that we named it after Casablanca, mm -hmm. um, which is, I'm sure, a really fantastic movie that I just haven't seen yet. Um, but it's, it's really... It's an abbreviated term for a toast, and here's a toast to looking at you for for your youth, for your vitality. It's like a celebration. Yeah, and it was. It, I think it was first. It first appeared in American poetry in the late 1800s. So we didn't tell. Any, I think I told two people, and their reactions were um, anticlimactic. So I was like, well, then I'm not telling anybody else. <laughs> It's just gonna. It's just gonna show up like outside on the signage, and people hate it. People hate it. People like it. Great. Wow. And now most people just call it H-Lay. H-Lay, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> wow. Okay, so this is now, you opened July 2016, right? Wow. What was it like opening your own restaurant with this chef friend that you've kind of met through, you know, working at your ex-restaurant? Tell me about opening day, opening week, I'm, if you remember anything. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Oh, experience. I remember everything. <laughs> um, it's extremely gratifying to to spend so much of your time and other people's money <laughs> on opening something. And, the, and when people you don't know come through your doors, complete strangers, like they made reservations and they're in there and they're sitting in your chairs and you're like, this is not someone that loves me. This is just a complete stranger. It's, 
I mean, tears to my eyes. Like, I would cry at everything. I couldn't, it was just such an emotional time. But like mm. I said, I mean, nobody would want to work for us. So we really had such a small team. So we did everything. We all worked six days a week straight. It was just, I mean, it was nuts. And it was so much work. It was not busy. Nobody wanted to sit at the bar. And we just thought that the bar would be absolutely the heart of the restaurant. I love sitting at the bar. I almost exclusively sit at bars when I go to other restaurants. And it was really challenging to, to build that energy up the way that we saw it. Um, and, and then one day, the great almighty Jonathan Gold walked in on the last turn. And we're, I mean, we were just so exhausted. I think it was a Monday. <laughs> yeah. So that's like our Friday plus. Like, <laughs> and he walks in with his wife and my expo, our friend Paul, who looks at me and he's like, Lynn, I just want you to know that Jay Gold is sitting outside in the lobby and I was like okay and then Jonathan's on the grill and like completely just like out of his mind <laughs> he's like way at the back of the head he just screams and he's like fucking Jay Gold is at the fucking front door <laughs> and I'm like I got it <laughs> and so anyway that that was really the beginning of a lot of everything yeah. um so that was the first of a handful of visits and um and then I think we just put on the map after that like in a in a meaningful way like yeah. you know it was important to us that he obviously liked what he was enjoying he loved yeah. our cocktails and so the bar the bar got better <laughs> no it got a lot of love i feel like especially year one year two just kind of steadily grew and grew and grew um and then you open your second restaurant all day baby also amazing name is that another like postcard that you found or how, how did that all day baby in so many ways is almost the exact opposite story of here's looking at you uh -huh. everything that was easy about here's looking at you was very very hard for all day baby mm. so all day baby's name was created well before even anything and i think we originally thought baby all day would be, would work better and then we we're like no that's not right and then we ended up with all day baby and we have like lots of little weird things around the restaurant at yeah. here's looking at you and um and we would just name them baby. Everything was like mm. a little baby. Everything was sleeping. The mochi are sleeping. Um, <laughs> you know, and so baby was just kind of like a part of our language. Yeah. And, and all day baby, that's how that was born. And so everything was about, okay, what's all day baby? Because it had a name. It's almost harder this way. So don't, don't name your children, actually, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> see, what see what they come out as first. That's true. Um, so the first one, H, H -Lay, yes, was space first. And then kind of around that was a name and, and concept. But then this time around, you're saying the name, you had the name first. Well, it's always has been space first, actually, for, for okay. our stories. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Our space, it dictates, dictates so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so the space that we found, this um, at the time, kind of uncharted corner of Silver Lake, mm -hmm. um, had so much potential. And Silver Lake is... Is so LA in my opinion, in the sense that it's you know it's it's very sunny and daytime right. and the palm trees and the hills and we're like what does daytime mean to us? It means brunch. It means mm. brunch a lot of it, and um, so that's how we figured mm -hmm. all day baby would probably work. Yeah, that was experience I mean. you wanted to create. Was it like kind of a brunch oriented restaurant? Uh, got it. Yeah. Awesome. And then you got a stellar review actually from for for all day baby, but then. The timing was crazy because I feel like when it came out two days, like two, three days after was March 16th, 2020, right? It was... Something along like that, those lines? It came out online three days before the shutdown, wow. and it, which was the day the 
it was announced as a global pandemic, and then it was published in the paper on Sunday, March 15th, the day of the shutdown. Oh my God. So, uh, yeah, it, it was unbelievable. All of the timing. Yeah. Everything, like I said, everything about All Day Baby has been hard. Yeah. It's build out was very hard. Um, it's little life. It's so much um, it didn't deserve that happened to it. You know, and just really what will haunt me forever are the layoffs. Because, you know, it took so long. We, a, we had an incredible management team, and it, it's so hard to find uh, help and, and leaders and um, people that really want to learn with you and that you're going to sort of bring into your family and to let them all go. And, you know, and then all the people that they worked hard to find and hire to really tell our story. I mean, there were 65 of them. Yeah, yeah. And 35 at HLA. Wow, so, so 100 at, at some time. That's crazy. Especially all day, baby, because you spent a lot of your time money into training your 65 employees right oh yes yeah opening thanksgiving weekend in 2019 mm -hmm. so in a way all day baby's kind of like a covid covid restaurant it is a covid restaurant because yeah it, it had all this debt and then it inherited more but i mean this the now story of all day baby is glorious like i <laughs> I, I can't i'm just so amazed that we've kept it alive it's almost hard to even take that compliment. Like when a guest right. comes in, they're like, I'm so glad you're still open. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I, you know, and I have so much feeling about it that, you know, and they don't, they obviously don't need to yeah, hear about to my know. emotions. Yeah, and so sure. I have to self edit, but um, no, I mean, I think because it was in a way such an unknown restaurant at the time, no one was, no one attached any emotion to it yet. Mm. The way that people attached emotions to here is looking at you. And so it quickly pivoted to take out. And we, and we tried to do it in the most fun way possible. Like in a matter of days, we created the biscuit window. And I, I mean, that was just a name. Like we just called it biscuit window. And, and so I'm just amazed by the community that came to show up and buy every single thing that we activated. Like right. from, from biscuits to, to bagels to baguettes and butter and jam just because we wanted to i mean at this point we were all working for free like my pastry <laughs> chef and i we'd be like what do you want to do this weekend lynn and you know and then we'd sit and then we'd watch a movie like, at the bar. <laughs> and i mean oh, so it ended up being the following that kind of kept us alive because we didn't have one before mm. and then the following at here's looking at you sort of went almost against us because everybody attached it to being involved in this really beautiful intimate space and literally being close to each other and sharing food and knowing our bartenders. And we couldn't do any of that by right. the time we could reopen with the PPP. And so no one would come. And I get it. Like, I, I can currently recount stories of restaurants that I love and visited with so much frequency before the pandemic. And I couldn't handle going and just getting takeout from them. It was too different and too yeah. hard, yeah. which is so selfish. And, um, and so, you know, and it's nobody's fault that, like, I don't think anybody realized that Heroes Looking at You was that slow, but it was. And, you know, and that was why we had to close it. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you reopened it is also just like an incredible story. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and then like during that time, you grew All Day Baby and then you co-founded Regarding Her. Like you did so much. I don't know why this I did so much. Yeah. Years. <laughs> um, okay. I want to spend a little bit of time on regard Regarding Her. I found out about it too when I moved out to LA and it's really phenomenal what you're doing because I think we saw little snippets of it in your story how you would go look at spaces and they just wouldn't take you seriously because you're a woman. So 
tell me about how you started, co-founded this amazing nonprofit initiative with, I think there's nine total co-founders, founding co-founders. How did this come to be? And just, it's incredible what you guys are doing, grants, food festivals, just raising awareness about woman-owned restaurants. I mean, it all started on Zoom, as a lot of things happened, and my lovely co-founder Dina Sampson who owns Rosso Blue and Superfine Pizza um, she sort of was the woman that initiated these Zoom mm. conversations and gathered other women to join um, to join to just chat and, and talk about I'm not a mother myself but most of them are and to talk about the challenges of um, being a mom in this industry all the different little things that we all needed we were all trying to outfit our outdoor patios at the time and I was just so, like, you know, I describe this sometimes maybe just to myself, actually, that I, I just felt so behind, you know, in this call. I'd be like, well, these other women have the money to make an outdoor oh. patio. I didn't even have that. And so knowing that, I just figured all the other women that must exist in our city, I mean, at the time I was naive and I was like, there must be like 100, you know, and it turns out there's more than 300. Um, and I was like, I'm sure somebody else also feels like me, you know, the, 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 the small one on the call that, you know, didn't have time for didn't have means of getting a heat lamp and everybody else was like building a wedding tent (laughs) and um and I just figured you know just based on the timing it was Mm -hmm. late fall at that time it was just only going to get worse and then we were going to get ourselves into January and January is already a slow month for restaurants in general um we were getting into another shutdown um and I thought what can we do to not complain I'm not one I don't enjoy complaining. I don't know who does, but um, I didn't want to complain, but I wanted to find a way to uplift and, and, and actually still find a way to celebrate, even through this sort of very dismal uh, experience that we were all going through together. And I just figured sometimes it just starts with like a name, mm-hmm. a website, um, some kind of goal. And our goal was twofold. It was like, let's create this festival mm-hmm. in January. We're going to launch it on the anniversary of the Women's March so that it has mm. like meaning. Um, and, and then on top of it, you know, we'll design a couple sweatshirts, Mm -hmm. sell them, whatever profit we can make off anything, Mm -hmm. but starting with the sweatshirts, we would create a grant program because what people need, because this was what I needed. (laughs) I was like, I need money. (laughs) And I was like, I'm sure somebody else does too. And, um, I figured on top of just, you know, grassroots raising, we would find big brands, you know, that have no idea what to do right now to help people. Um, I bet they would give us money and then we could really create a grant program, which I'm so happy to say we did a couple months later. Um, yeah. No, that's impressive. 15, 15 grants, 10,000 each. $10,000 grants. And just, yeah, even, you know, and I give props to Dina and our other co-founder is Sylvie Gabriel, who owns Love and Salt in Manhattan Beach. They sort of took the charge on the grant program and created like, the application process and how we were going to vet it and the committee team of these incredible, you know, food and other business professionals that came on and volunteered their time to um, read every application. And it was, it was amazing to, yeah. to be a part of. No, that's awesome. And I feel like you're just a really, you are the person for it too. Just from what I am hearing and learning more about you, you're like a natural kind of organizer too, huh? I do love organizing. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it started in high school, I think. I ran, somebody told me that I should run for a class officer. 
And I was like, no way. I, was like, I have to do a speech, and I'm like horrified by speaking in public. But luckily, I ran out of post. So this is what, like, everything has always been somebody telling me what to do. And That's then, true, with the, with the yeah, teacher. Uh-huh. Mm. And so when I, when I employ young people, actually, in my restaurant, I, I work really hard at um, identifying their strengths yeah. and really talking to them and getting to know them and, and really helping individuals find passion mm. like if is it, like if they were to come in with none the mm-hmm. way that i would come into most situations with none <laughs> i was so i'm so indebted to people telling me in a way what i could be good at mm. um, so i do love organizing and i really love celebrating it mm. makes you know a lot of people were so nice to me growing up so in a way this Are you is kind of paying it forward in a way yeah but it, i mean it comes naturally I, yeah, i'm yeah. just pretty excited by <laughs> but i mean the flip side is i also notice things that maybe I don't like, but like most, most of the time I can really find a lot of beauty and um, virtue yeah. in, in those things and people and I mean, you're just out here, this beautiful, beautiful day outside. Yeah, It's, it's incredible. <laughs> Bring it back to present day, you have H. Lay back, which is just this crazy story because that's, at one point, I mean, the landlord was trying to look for another tenant, right? Yes, yeah. We you had to sell your to equipment. Oh my God, everything. We were we had to put it on the market. All of this took time too. It was just so much energy putting something up for sale that you don't want to put for sale. On the and fourth anniversary too, right? Yes. Um, so we had to close after the PPP one ran out, and and you know within a month, you know my landlord was like, "If you're not going to reopen, which was not wise to do in my opinion," um, then he was like, "Then you have to try to sell it." And so it took the remainder of that year. We found a buyer, and then we were stuck in escrow for another half of a year. Wow. And each month, the rent, rent would accrue on top of other debts that I, you know, would continue to, you know, I paid utilities, I'd pay annual fees for the liquor license. I, I mean, we continued to keep current on everything in the hopes that we would close out this deal for pennies on the dollar. Like, it was not like we were going to get rich and, like, bounce. That would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> But um, in the end, it just became this crazy ticking time bomb of like, what in the world is going on right here? And do we try to now get out of this deal and reopen it ourselves and Mm. figure out a way to recover? Mm. You know, I mean, it was just not what we expected. Mm. You know, Jonathan and I spent a lot of emotional time even just trying to say goodbye to our restaurant. And then to have this like new idea, I'm one for ideas. My staff is very nice to be kind about my ideas. And I was like, let's do it. I was like, I'm sure we can raise a little bit of money, <laughs> get this restaurant reopened. And well, I was like, we got to do it fast. Yeah. I was like, five weeks. I was like. You were crazy. <laughs> I saw that come like, because I thought it was for sure done, this restaurant. Yeah, me too. And I think that's what everyone thought too. And all of a sudden I saw this GoFundMe campaign that this is what you were talking about, right? Yes. Insane. Four or five week turnaround. <laughs> when was it that you would seriously consider reopening this like just so i can get on the time of 2021 like 2021 um it, be- it was mid june that um it started to look like this deal mm. was a little bit weird mm. um but it legally it took two and a half more months to see if an exit was even Possible. suitable mm. yeah then i had to I, and in the middle of this, I'm still running All Day Baby. Oh, of course, which you is know, a new I'm the only manager. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's it's an enormous operation. We had just reopened for dinner, and so I had to find the time, physical and mental, but especially emotional, to figure out how I was going to do this. It's not easy 
to just ask people for money. You know, and I've, I've found investors for both restaurants in sort of the more traditional manner, which is also extremely heart-wrenching work. But this was different. This was mm. like you're involving the community. Mm. It wasn't going to be something that where if we took all their money, I would, uh, I would definitely not want to put ourselves in a weird place where mm. we would just close again because that is not correct. Um, so I had to really think about its longevity and its viability of like how I was going to stay. If I'm going to ask people, people, nice people <laughs> that are going to help me, it had better work. So, so yeah. So then by the time October rolled around, I was like, okay, I'm ready. And so I just had to craft and write and go back to my old skills and just figure out how to do this. <laughs> and here I, we are. Here we are. Oh no. <laughs> I got to go to work later. (laughs) (laughs) Has it been like a month now since you? It's been, yeah, Yeah. it's been a little over a month. Um, The goal was to open in December. And I've always told myself that if I just say out loud what I'm going to do. I believe, I'm a firm believer in that. I I, like, I just hate disappointing people so badly. And since I already said the thing, like, I'm going to make it happen. So I said, December 2021, we will open. So everybody's like, great, when can I make a reservation? I'm like, I'm so not there yet. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, I will get there. So we committed to a December 18th date. Wow. We finally, we found only one cook. So Jonathan and our one cook, the lovely Jeremy Johnson, is working with us. And we're like, let's open, because Lynn said we had to on the 18th. And um, I'm the hostess every night. And... um, but then Jeremy had to go home. He's from Michigan. So he was like, I got to go home for the holidays. I oh. already had this plan. So we did three days of a soft opening for our, go- our most generous GoFundMe donors. Mm-hmm. And then we had to close. Then everyone got Omicron. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. Like, I said that we would open New Year's Eve. I'm not perfect. Oh. So we didn't open New Year's Eve. And I was like, this is the earliest we can really, truly reopen and get everybody retrained again. It was the ninth. And two days before the ninth, we found another cook. So we have two whole cooks. <laughs> please, please stay. Please stay. <laughs> Shout out to, to my yeah. two cooks. Wow. Um, this sounds like an emotional roller coaster for you. It has been. I feel like you probably didn't have any time to really have this settle down and, and reflect. But just a month, roughly a month, yeah, month in, how does it feel just to have your restaurant back? Your first restaurant that you open, you have it back now, which is incredible. It's incredible. Especially at the start of the year, too. Yeah. Yeah. I just, in a weird way, it feels so good Mm -hmm. to be there every night. I'm not even a night person, you guys, especially after opening up a breakfast restaurant every day. (laughs) And, but I'm awake. I find myself, I'm awake at here's looking at you and I'm, and I am personally thriving to be there. Mm. People are so nice. They're so grateful. We took the time to like note who gave $20 here or $2,000 there. And just to see their faces, I mean, they're just so grateful. But the weird flip side of this is to see myself really have these uplifting feelings just reminds me of how actually not good of a place I was in Mm. for most of this past year in Mm. 2021. 2020 was, for me personally, I don't know, I was numb, like, I didn't yeah. cry <laughs> in survival <laughs> mode, no feelings. 2021, I was like, I'm in a lot of pain, like physical pain. Like, yeah. oh, why am I in so much physical pain? I'm not even 40 yet. I'm 40 now, everyone. But no way. Yeah. No. And so oh, I was like, this is so bizarre. I was just having a lot of like ailments. My, my body wasn't working. And wow. And I had to, I, I consulted a lot of 
weird new age people. <laughs> and you know, and it turns out I was just storing a lot of like bad um, negative juju Energy, in yeah. my body and I couldn't figure out a way to get it out. Wow. Um, so anyway, that's, that's really what this, the last five weeks has really um, given me, like the gift of so much reunion and so much joy and some kind of acknowledgement of so much shit. Seriously. <laughs> and, to, and to hide it most days, because that's yeah, my that's job. Just, that's your job. That's and what I you do. And I failed a lot of the times, too. I would just sort of let it show, and I wouldn't be proud of it, actually. Yeah. Because, um, you know, your guests are still your guests. Like, you know, everything's on fire, but, like, they don't really there need to know. There has to be a line. <laughs> I believe in that. There still has to be a magic to the space in the restaurant. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you summarized 2020 and 2021 for us. What is 2022 going to be for you? I was like, the last question. What are you hoping to do this year? What are you looking forward to? Oh, my gosh. Well, Hopefully no more pain this year. No right? more pain. I mean, I love my work. I still do. I love my restaurants. I'm not opening up any more restaurants. Um, <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take that clip right there. <laughs> and then when you open your third restaurant, I'm like, hey. <laughs> um, I think... I am floored and and very humbled that, let's say my my colleagues, my young um, employees may find me inspiring. But what I've learned is, I don't want them want their takeaway to be you can only be the successful if you work as hard as mm. Lynn because mm. it's just not true. Mm. And mm. Um, this has been an unusual and very special circumstance that you know we've I've we've had to start over, and and really, truly start over. Like, maybe we have the shell of a restaurant and some old plumbing, but like, this has been really hard. And I know that they look at me and they're like, wow, she works so hard. But mm. I admire her for one, two, three things or something mm. like that. But what I want them to see is actually better balance. Um, so what I see for myself in 2022 and beyond is I'm trying to manifest a trip to Italy. I call it the Italian vision board. (laughs) Sometimes that involves just going to Key Spaca and thinking more about it. Um, But I want to take a trip and I want to do things. I want to write. I want to, I want to continue to see my staff and my guests just grow. I really, I pray for consistent business. We don't always get it. All day baby, for example, it's like zero to a thousand. Nobody or there's no middle ground, huh? Yeah. There's no it's either dead as dead hmm. or so busy everyone's so upset because it's so busy. Because they can't get in and they wait. <laughs> and H Lay is just kind of like this adorable like <laughs> thing night after night. And I just I don't want it to be I I recall, I'll never forget those all those slow nights at H Lay and I, I'm just very grateful. Even last night, we've never been open for Super Bowl Sunday before. Um, because why would anyone want to come here? Is looking at you on Super Bowl Sunday, but I think just the nature of the timing, we were able to still open and have some guests come in. It was phenomenal, and that's what I want—consistent business, not just for me, but for all the other restaurants nice. out there. Better balance, consistency. Those I think are very. Oh, the trip to Italy. Yes, that's gonna happen. This <laughs> Thank you so much, honestly, for being Thank here you, today. Arnold. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Weekly Welcome. It was such a pleasure again to interview you, Lynn, and uh, so happy that we finally got to connect in person. And I had a wonderful time also at Here's Looking At You. I think it was the same day that I recorded it that I decided to go and check out 
a restaurant um, since I live in Cricket Town, and it, it was such a wonderful experience. Would obviously recommend to anybody and everybody that hasn't been there uh, in Cricket Town. She also has a wonderful restaurant, All Day Baby in Silver Lake. I actually haven't been there yet, so definitely gonna make my way around. Love the work that Lynn is doing. I hope everyone can get behind it. Uh, she's a wonderful person and um, just just a fan. And I hope she keeps doing what she's already doing, which is creating community and bringing people together in the restaurant community because it's, uh, it's, it's not easy, really. I know everyone's struggling a million things out at once, but it seems like she's able to do all of that at once. So uh, again, hope you enjoy the conversation and we'll see you next week on Weekly Welcome. Thanks.